the inward work and the outward work. So we want to focus on the outward work from now onwards and talk about the baptism of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Alright? So let's talk about the baptism of the Spirit. Is every one of you baptized in the Spirit? Alright? But let's just go through it properly to establish a proper foundation of this. Okay? Now just make sure you are taking the notes. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is mentioned clearly in the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, Joel prophesied of God pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. I'm going out of the notes, so make sure you're taking notes on your notepad. Joel chapter 2, 28-29, you've already seen it before. I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So that was prophesied in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, even before book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is mentioned by John the Baptist. Okay? Mark chapter 1 verse 8. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What's the meaning of the word baptize? Huh? Immerse completely. Not just immerse. Immerse completely. Now, when the Holy Spirit is in you, are you immersed in the Holy Spirit? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, are you immersed in the Spirit? Yes. John says that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus himself said in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, that the promise of the Father will come in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus used the word baptize. John the Baptist used the word baptize. God uses the word pour out my spirit in Joel chapter 2. Not only that, alright, I want you to turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Okay. So this was a feast. The last day of the feast, right? So on this day, they would practice a tradition. And the tradition was that there would be a procession from the pool of Siloam all the way to the temple. So the priests would take jugs of water big jugs of water, from the pool of Siloam, which was quite way down in Jerusalem. Okay? And they would come walking up, singing, dancing, playing music, and carrying the water, which symbolizes life. They would come to the steps of the temple, and there in the steps of the temple, they would pour the water into another cistern, and that entire ceremony was what was happening while Jesus was there standing. Okay? Remember, they're carrying water, which represents life. And they're coming and they're pouring it into that container at the gates of the temple. Okay? That was a feast that is practiced. So when that water is being poured out and all of that thing is happening, Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
Do you know that when Jesus said, if anyone says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, he was speaking to a real mountain. It was not just an imaginary mountain. It was a real mountain. Remember when Jesus went to Caesarea? Caesarea Philippi? Right? He asked Peter the question, who do men say that I am? Right? Do you know the place where Jesus asked the question? He was asked the question at Caesarea Philippi, which is the temple of the Greeks and the Romans where there are hundreds of idols. It's a place where they worship Satan. It's a place where they call the gates of hell is here. I've been there in the foot of Mount Hermon. It's still there. The temple at Caesarea. So in the midst of so many gods, Jesus asked the question, who am I? What is that? That is called real classroom. Real test. That is where they got the revelation. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. In the midst of all the gods that people were coming and worshipping. One of the main gods they used to worship there was the god called Pan. P-A-N. Not Pan Parag. <laughs> Pan. Remember that god, which is like a goat. The Greek god. Legs like a goat. Right? They used to worship the god there. So in the midst of all the gods, because everyone is confused. Who is God? This is one God, this is another God, this is another God, this is another God. And that cliff face has so many holes that are dug in it with many idols. So in the midst of so many gods, God gave the revelation. This is the real God. So the way Jesus taught was always through real life situation example. When Jesus said, if you will say to this mountain, do you know it's a real mountain? And do you know that mountain was cut and it was removed by the Romans? Remember Jesus said, it is easier for a rich man, it's easier for a camel. Remember the story? I forgot that exact thing. It's easier to, for a camel to enter a needle, right? Than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, right? Do you know that place where he said was, in the walls of Jerusalem, there is a small entrance, like the eye of a needle, where camels actually enter. It's a real place. Camels have to bow down and go through that to enter Jerusalem. And that's where he taught. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What's the meaning there? Humility. Camels, high, they have to bend down low and enter into the city of God. So you got it? And that is why here also Jesus, when the water is poured out, He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Alright? He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of... See, that will make sense, right? To the, to the people there. Because water is flowing from the jug. Rivers of water are flowing. But this he spoke, verse 39. This he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, till the time Jesus died on the cross, the Holy Spirit could not be given. Now, 
John chapter 4, what is salvation experience? Well or river? Well. John chapter 7, what is Jesus saying about the Holy Spirit? River or well? River. Which is bigger, river or well? River. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is bigger than salvation. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about the experience where you will have more of water. Right? What is found in well? Water. What is found in river? Water. So the same thing. It's just that in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive more. You are immersed in it. Amen? So when someone surrendered their life to Christ and put the trust in Him, they are born again. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside them, becoming the comforter, helper, and teacher. This is what happened to the disciples in John 20, 22, when Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. At that time, the disciples received the Holy Spirit. It was in them. But later in the book of Acts, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. This second experience empowered them to be bold witnesses and preach with power. Okay? So Jesus explains the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit just before He ascends into heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit at that time was what? The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit for the disciples of Jesus was what? To be a witness. So, what is the primary purpose for Jesus baptizing you also with the Holy Spirit. Huh? To be a witness. To be a witness. Amen. Turn to Acts chapter 2. So, verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they obeyed Jesus. They were waiting, praying for 10 days. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with our tongues. So that was the day that God poured out the Holy Spirit upon the church. They were wondering, what is this? Everyone speaking in tongues. 120 of them on the streets praying in tongues. If all of us, 60 people here. Right now, we go to the middle of Kohima. And everyone pray in tongues. Do you know what will happen? Everyone will come to watch. What is happening to these people? Not just one. 120. Including Jesus' mother. Mary was here. Amen. Then Peter stands up and says, Hey, don't worry. They're not drunk. They're not mad. This is what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Which means this. When Spirit touches flesh, sometimes there is reaction. That reaction could be, ha, 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 ha. That reaction could be, that reaction could be, that reaction could be falling, whatever. Shouting, screaming, all throughout the history of the church. Whenever the Holy Spirit came in revival, there was always reactions. We should not be afraid of them. Amen. All right. 
Now, look at verse 33. Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God. Who is this? Jesus. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Ah. He poured out this, which you now see and hear. So the Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Technically, it's not God the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a different experience to salvation. Let me show you different scriptures where it is there in the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 8, 14 to 17. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you this question. Were these people already born again? Yes, right? Verse 16. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. Upon. Underline the word upon. So this is not an in experience. It's an upon experience. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So they laid hands. In the future, if you want to pray for someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you just teach the same things, lay hands on them. They'll get filled. All right? God wants to use you to baptize others in the Holy Spirit. I tell you, that feeling is better than getting a certificate. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's look at another scripture. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon, underline upon, all those who heard the word in the house of Cornelius. Acts 10, 44. Right? Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So they began to speak with tongues. Remember, I told you that the Holy Spirit is unpredictable like the wind. So right here, Peter was still speaking. And the Holy Spirit interrupted him. Do you know that Peter is the only person where God always interrupts? <laughs> Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? He said, shall we make a tabernacle for Moses, for Elijah, and for Jesus? And God interrupted him. And then Jesus told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter is the only person. Don't be like Peter. <laughs> right? While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those. Unpredictable. But their hearts were ready. And the Holy Spirit fills them and they're all speaking in tongues. Remember, Cornelius is here. He's a Roman centurion, captain of 100 soldiers. He's a tough, burly, macho man. And the macho man is... Nowadays we think tongues only for girls. Pray in church, fast. Guys don't want to pray in tongues because we think, eh, we're too macho for all these things. We're too macho for prayer. No. no. Soldiers were praying in tongues. Amen. Acts chapter 19. Look at verse 5 and 6. 
And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Acts chapter 2, they prophesied, they spoke in tongues. Acts chapter 8, it doesn't say what happened, but something happened for people to see. Acts chapter 10, they spoke in tongues. Acts chapter 19, they spoke in tongues. And of course, Acts chapter 9, Paul was also baptized in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say what happened. Scales fell off his eyes. But later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says, I speak with tongues more than you all. So Paul also received sometime the tongues. So, speaking in tongues is the surest sign that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because in the Bible it is mentioned the most. And how we interpret scripture is this. By two or three witnesses, let every truth be established. So by two or three verses, we establish a doctrine. So speaking in tongues is the initial evidence or sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes in you, He doesn't come as a small spirit, immature spirit. The Holy Spirit comes as God. And the Holy Spirit brings all the divine nature, ability, gifts, graces that you need to serve God from this day forth for the rest of your lives. Now, your part is to yield to Him and enable Him to work through you. Amen. Hallelujah. What are the benefits of speaking in, uh, what are the benefits of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Quickly just write down, I'll give you the points. Number one, you receive power. Number two, you have a greater experience of the Holy Spirit. Number three, it brings you into deeper intimacy with God. When I say power, it covers a lot of other areas, okay? Power to pray, power to live for God, power to overcome sin, power to witness, power over Satan, which we already have in Christ, but there's a difference between People who are baptized in the Holy Spirit who are praying than those who are just praying as believers. There's a difference. The kingdom world recognizes the difference. The world of the spirit realm. The next benefit is this. You begin to operate in the gifts of the spirit. After that, you begin to destroy the works of the enemy. You begin to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Another benefit, boldness. Boldness. Acts chapter 4. Verse 31. Write it down. Acts 4.31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. So the benefit of being baptized is boldness. You will have boldness. Power. 
boldness, witnessing. Controlled by the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, destroy the works of Satan, a witness for Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 2. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Okay. Look at me. What is that? In the spirit. However, in the spirit. One of the best ways to practice being in the spirit is praying tongues. Because the moment you pray in tongues, you are in the spirit. It's not just out of your head, out of your mouth. In the spirit. Amen. Look at verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Edify himself. The word edify means to build up, strengthen, edify himself. This is something you can do for yourself. Have you ever been lonely and you wanted someone to come and visit you? But no one was free, so you had to wait for one week till someone came and edified you. Sometimes you're just dependent on people, right? But the Bible says if you speak in a tongue, you can edify yourself. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. All right, very quickly. I'll give you the points, okay? This is very important. The benefits of speaking in other tongues. This is what you must believe every time you're praying in tongues. Benefits of praying in other tongues. Number one, you're speaking to God. You're speaking to God. It's a direct hotline to God. Number two, you're in the Spirit. In the Spirit. So this is the way you... Practice sensitivity to the Spirit. Consciousness of the Spirit. Number three, you're speaking mysteries or divine secrets. Number four, edify himself. The word edify means build up or charge, to charge yourself. Like a battery being charged. That's why when you pray in tongues, sometimes in the morning when you start... But you pray for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah, the battery is getting charged. Right? Number five. It builds up your faith. Jude 20. You put down that verse. Jude 20. Building yourself on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. So when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, it builds up your faith. So it builds up your faith. Because you're speaking mysteries. And what are mysteries? Divine revelation. And how does faith come? Through revelation. So the Holy Spirit teaches you when you pray in tongues. Number six. You're praying the will of God. Romans 8, 26 and 27. You're praying the will of God. You do not know what you should pray 
But the Holy Spirit makes intercessions with groanings that cannot be uttered. Okay? So you're actually praying. So you can pray for your life, for your future by praying in tongues. And you're praying the will of God. Pray for any crisis. Pray in tongues. And the Holy Spirit will give you the wisdom, the counsel as you pray. Okay? Number seven. Rest and refreshing. Praying in tongues will bring rest and refreshing in your soul, in your mind, even in your body. Scientists have discovered that when you're praying in tongues, a part of your brain, which is normally not active, gets activated. And it actually strengthens your brain. And scientists have discovered, these are scientists who are not Christians, that praying in tongues stops you from being depressed. So praying in other tongues, it brings refreshing to your mind. You leave stress. I've experienced that so many times. In the middle of huge mental tension, I just pray in tongues, and it brings peace to my mind. It protects your mind from depression. In fact, Praying in tongues is a great way to ward off mental issues. Memory loss as all age people. It's praying in tongues protects your brain. <coughs> Scientists have also discovered that praying in tongues activates that part of your brain which actually activates your immune system, your body. So praying in tongues is good for your body, your immune system. See, that's why you're not getting sick this time. Like last year. We always had people being sick. Because you're praying in tongues a lot, right? Yes. Make sure you're praying in tongues, alright? So, it brings rest and refreshing. There's a scripture in Isaiah. I'll have to look it up later and send it to you. Okay. That scripture talks about how through this, you know, Rest and refreshing comes to the people. Through stammering lips. Okay? Alright, praying in tongues will cause you to mortify, M-O-R-T-I-F-Y. Mortify your body. Mortify means discipline your body. Romans chapter 8 verse 13. Romans 8 13. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body... By the Spirit, you put to death. The word death means mortify. You know what mortify means? This, cement. The work of cement. Cement was liquid, right? But after it's applied, it becomes solid. So, when you pray in tongues, the desires of your flesh, which is lust, greed, envy, bitterness, it begins to die. Okay? The next benefit is this. You learn to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you are submitting your tongue to the Holy Spirit. Why is the tongue important? Because James says, it's a small member, but the hardest to control. Right or wrong? Which is the part of your body which is the hardest to control? Your tongue. Not only talking, also eating. 
right? So praying in tongues is a way of surrendering your tongue to the power of the Holy Spirit. So you are actually yielding your members. See, James says, if you learn to control your tongue, you can control your body. That's what James says. If you learn to control your tongue, you can control your life. So how do they control horses? They put bridles in the mouth. How is a big ship turned around? Through a small rudder. In the same way, controlling the tongue can control your life. Controlling the tongue can bridle your body. Amen. See, many sickness is because of your tongue. It's not the devil. Yeah. I mean, I used to have people, every Nagami service, same person come for prayer. What? Stomach pain. Pray healed. Next Sunday, stomach pain. Next Sunday, stomach pain. You go and ask them, they eat chili every day. Bamboo shoot every day. <laughs> so they don't need healing. They need wisdom in those cases. Right? You eat chili the whole night, get stomach pain and blame the devil. See, Christians are like that. Sometimes we're so foolish. So it's a tongue. If you can control your tongue, you can control your body. That's why you need to fast from talking also at times. Fast from eating, fast from talking. Some people, they go to prayer and fasting, but they're talking the whole day. It's true. Prayer and fasting places become places of gossip. Some of you go to prayer and fasting, you know what I'm saying. Yes or no? You go prayer and fasting, and all the people... All the jokers are gathered from all over and they'll talk about this minister and that minister and this pastor and that pastor. Because whole day they're free. They don't open the Bibles, many of them, during fasting. Because we think fasting is only not eating. So fasting, your stomach is fasting but your tongue is not fasting. <laughs> That's why the old time saints used to practice solitude. Not speak for days. Not speak. You know that is difficult? And let me tell you this. If you don't speak, learn to be quiet. When you speak, your words will be heavier. Okay? So, the benefit of praying in tongues, you are surrendering your tongue to the Holy Ghost. Another benefit is this. You can give thanks to God in tongues. You can worship God in tongues. You can praise God in tongues. So all of that, you can put in the same sentence. And the last benefit is this. Speaking in tongues is the gateway to the gifts of the Spirit manifesting in our lives. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So when you're praying in tongues, rivers of living water are flowing. So these are the benefits of praying in other tongues. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8, 
that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.